Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. So my name is Pastor Larry. I'm one of the pastors here at Northgate, and so I'm just glad to be uh, here with you this weekend. And I wanted to give, um, first, uh, start off with just a couple shout-outs. And that is, one, uh, if you've been here before, you've noticed the stage looks different. Your eyes are tripping out right now. It's like psychedelic has been the word of the weekend. And uh, I just wanted to give a huge shout out to the team uh, that took care of it. We have volunteer, a volunteer specifically um, that was with Jesse for like 60 hours this week working on this. I talked to him on Friday and Thursday night there. I was like, what time did you leave? And they're like 1230. And they were here before I was here on Friday and the whole week. So shout out to Ron, my friend in the back. And this is the reason that I want to shout it out is because I love being a part of a faith community, a church that thinks that this stuff is rad, like for reals, um, because um, not to t- God can be honored in a room with an acoustic guitar and just a small group of people. He's still honored that. But when you like bring your best and just cool things and even the lights and just the excitement, I think that's really just saying giving God excellence and saying we just want to give all those things to you and be a part of that. So uh, I'm thankful to be a part of that for this. The other thing that I'm thankful about is that when I look at 2015, one of the highlights of my year last year, specifically, was the women's conference. And I know I'm not a woman. I know I'm not a woman. But I was there. (laughs) Uh, I was helping lead it and just participate. I'm telling you what, when I look back at 2015, that was like what was up. It was amazing. And I seriously, if you were a woman here or you know a woman next to you, you need to make sure that they go because it's us, it's ours. I can't even explain what's going to happen. I don't want to like overpromise it because it's going to blow it out the water. It's going to be so good. I'm so excited about that. So turn to a woman next to you and just say, you need to go. You need to go. And if you're a guy next to a woman, throw her 35 bucks because that's all it costs and tell her to sign up. $35. Sign it up. So today we're uh, continuing the series called Margin. And what margin is, is this space between your current pace and your limits. Margin is this space between your current pace and your limits. And see, what we tend to do as people is we like to live in the red line. We like to live at the limits. We live at our limits financially. We live at our limits with our scheduling. We live at our limits with our relationships. We live at our limits emotionally, spiritually, Physically, we are a limit-living group of people, and that's why it's so important for us to talk about this thing called margin or space. Because, see, life is just better when you have a little like, breathing room, this margin. So that's what we're going to talk about in this, and that's what we have been talking about is how to create space. And specifically today, I was asked to talk about margin in our relationships, and I hated that. <laughs> I have not been excited about this. This has been literally one of the toughest weeks of preparation for me that I can even remember. I have lost so much sleep about this because this is such a big deal in our lives, in mine specifically, that is such a wrestling match on how to create margin and space that's appropriate when it comes to relationships. And here's why. Because I know this, and it's so true, that relationships thrive when there's margin. They thrive when there's margin. When there's space in our relationships, they thrive. But here's the other piece to it. Relationships die when we are living at our limits. Our relationships 
literally fall apart and die. It's like a closet that is so full and you got that thing on the hanger and you're trying to squeeze that last thing in there or that box. You're squeezing that last thing in there. And then what can happen there? All of a sudden, bust. Everything falls down. It crashes. Many of you have maybe had that happen to you in your lives. Some of you may even be there today where you just, that last thing happened, that last conversation happened, that last person did that thing, that last scheduling thing came up and you just, next thing you know, someone comes home and is like, what's wrong with you? And you're like, no, I don't know. It just, you had the crash. It just went kapooing. And the big piece of this for all of us, the, the common response when it comes to creating margin in our relationships is there's just not enough time, Right? There's just not enough time. I'm busy, I'm doing this. These things need to happen. But when it comes to marginal relationships, a lot of times the common theme and excuse is there's just not enough time. And it's not that there's enough time. And what we're going to discover is that we have to be intentional in creating time. Because when it comes to work and your difference between balance of work and, and your home life and the relationships that matter the most to you, if you stayed at work all the time, you would never end. It would never end. You would never not be working. You'd always have something to do. And the problem is, on the other side, is if I stayed at home all the time, I would never fill up everyone's love bucket enough to be able to go then back to work. It's just this constant battle and what these things look like. And therein lies the tension. I've had a moment where, uh, in my own life, we've had moments where we've gotten close to that crash. There's too much, and we've had to um, stop and pause and figure that out what that looks like. And some of it's had specifically to do with what I do with you <laughs> uh, from a distance. Um, nine years ago, or almost nine years ago, my wife and I were going through some crazy transitions in life, the things that you don't combine at once. We were moving, we were having our first child, and we were both starting new jobs, and we were having uh, a baby all at the same time. So we were moving, and I was planning a church. And what that meant, it meant is that literally it was me, my wife, the baby in her belly, and then a buddy of mine, his wife, and his two kids. And that was our church. And we said, let's go do church. And so it was this crazy grind to the point where we were like, well, how are we going to survive? And we started asking friends, hey, would you give us $50 a month so we could eat peanut butter and jelly every night? to like do to church. It's going to be so great. And it was this crazy grind in our life. And my wife was starting this brand new job. She works full time all the time. She's a, a teacher in a high school. She teaches sports medicine, biology. And then she's also the athletic trainer. So her days literally go from like 6.30 in the morning until during certain seasons until like 10 o'clock at night. Because if there's games, and especially football season, and that's what we were coming into. It was the time of the year she was just getting ready to start this brand new job, this brand new school. And the day that she was supposed to report in, the baby came knocking on the door that day. New jobs, new house. Here comes the baby. First day, everything's stuffed into this box. So two weeks into the school year, she has to go back. <laughs> Because we don't have disability, we don't have, she doesn't have any PTO for this new gig, it's like the new gig, she wants to be able to keep her job, and it's football season. And her days are going to be long, because in Arizona, where we lived, um, if you practice in the middle of the day, you will die. And so, <laughs> you literally, literally, you die. It's bad. So you practice at night, when it's supposed to be a little cooler, it's only like 100. <laughs> so... So she would be there all day. And so now, guess who's left with like a two and a half week old baby? Me and my job. 
So essentially what happened is it was just this and that, squishing into this, and the timing of this comes up, and just all this transition. And we got to a point in life where it was just getting close to that one last thing, and one last thing kind of happened. I don't remember what it was, something with a scheduling or a phone call. And so I got in the car, I put the baby in there, I drove down to her work, I walked into her class, I walked up front and set the baby down, I turned around and I walked back out to my car and I left. <laughs> not, not one of my proudest moments. <laughs> and of course, she's blowing me up on my phone and I'm like, I'm driving, I cannot talk. <laughs> it's a safety issue. <laughs> And then her response is, what am I supposed to do with the baby here? I'm at work. And I'm like, oh, yeah, me too. Good luck. So that created an opportunity for some valuable conversation (laughs) in our lives uh, that made a huge difference in our lives on how to create space, some margin that was much needed. And there lies the tension. Part of that tension is that... um, uh, I didn't want to get married just to stay married. I didn't, I want you to hear this right. I wanted to get married because I wanted to be married to Michelle, not to marriage. I didn't want to get to a place in my life where I'm like, I'm just committed to marriage. We're just making this work because we've got to be committed to marriage. I wanted to have a thriving relationship with Marginet to be like, no, 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 I'm married Michelle, and that's what I want to be committed to and making sure that that's appropriate and there's space there. So this tension is a little bit of what I want to tease out and what that looks like. See, when we hand our husband or our wife or our significant other or those around us, when we hand them um, this, uh, this thing, whatever it is, when we hand our children a responsibility that they're not equipped to carry, it's like handing them a rock. Honey, I have to go to work. I have to work a little harder. I'm going to be gone a little extra, a little more than normal. I'm traveling a little more than normal. I need you to carry a responsibility that I know is mine, but just for a little bit. I need you to carry this. That's my res- It belongs to me, but I need you to hold this for a while while I do something for someone else. And I know that there's times and there's days or weeks even or seasons where it might even be a short season where we have to say to the kids, hey, mom or dad is going to be gone for a weekend or two, or mom and dad, I'm going to miss a ball game or a thing or two or a weekend. Mom and dad have this going on. There's those seasons. I just had one of those seasons not that long ago. My wife's sister got married in literally 13 hours difference in the time zone. So it was halfway around the world. She was gone for 12 days and left me with the four kids. She left me with a big rock. (laughs) And, and that happens, that comes up. It, my daughter totally threw me on the bus, side note. So like, I'm seven days into this. I'm feeling like a champ. We're carrying it together. And I'm at church. And Pastor Ken is like, I am really impressed, Larry. You're doing really great. And my oldest looks back at him and goes, he is exhausted. <laughs> what? Why would you do that to me? Uh, I went home and cried. It was awesome. <laughs> so we hand our people this load, Right? That's what we do. We hand them this load. This represents the things that, they, that we should carry, right? That's our responsibility. And we're expecting them to carry it. And you know what happens every single time that we ask them to take this? They always accept it. They always take it. They always take it from us. 
Because they want to be like a good husband. Yeah, I want to be a good husband. I know that you're working hard and I know I'm going to do this while you work and I want to be a good wife while you travel. I want to be a good son. I want to be a, a good daughter. I know daddy works hard, that mommy works hard. So yeah, dad, I know you're going to be gone for my game, um, but it's cool. I can carry that. I'll hold on to these things. I can carry that load. Yeah, I'm going to miss you. I wish you were here, but I can carry the load. And so they carry it. And the problem comes when we leave them with this load for too long and we never come to take it out of their hands. That's when the problem comes. And time goes by and time goes by and time goes by, and time goes by. And they begin to slowly wear out. They begin to slowly wear out, and that's where the tension is, the problem and the stuff that's going on. And we don't completely understand it, but here's how you know that you've given someone else this load to carry, that you've handed it off to them. The first one is when you constantly are repeating promises to do better. If you find yourself constantly repeating promises to do better, you've handed it off. You know those conversations we have where you're crying, they're kind of like, I promise, I know, I will, this won't happen again. I promise I'm going to do better. I promise I'm going to learn this time. I promise this won't happen. Just, just this last time, I promise it's not going to happen again. You're constantly repeating promises to do better. And how we justify this, right, a lot of the times, is we, like, we go up to them and we check on the rock. And we go like, so how's the rock? You doing okay? Like, thanks. You're doing awesome. Go, go, go. You can do it. You're carrying the rock. You're so awesome. You want some flowers? Here's some flowers. Does that feel better? Flowers are nice, right? We cheer them on. We're like, yeah, some chocolate. I got some golf balls for you. Keep carrying the rock. Another way is that we're chronically absent from important events. We're chronically absent from important events. You know, it's that ball game. It's a recital. It's the first day. It's the anniversary. It's the birthday. It's the 17th of something day. We're chronically absent from important events. And the third way is that you keep putting, pointing to the future to make up for the past. You keep pointing to the future to make up for the past. It's going to get better. I promise. It's going to get better next year. It's going to get better next Christmas. It's going to be better next summer, next spring, next anniversary, next school year, next season. It's going to get better. And you find yourself saying these things to someone you've handed to your family and a burden that they're not meant to carry. I, I had this saying for a long time, like, it's just a season, right? And at first, I started with like six months. It's like a six-month season. I can see it. It's a six-month season. And that sounded really long time. It was overwhelming for everyone. So I was like, it's like a three-month season. I can see it. Like, just a season. Let's get through it. And then I was having a conversation with someone, and neither of us were good at this. And he said, dude, three, three months is crazy. Three weeks is how you win. <laughs> just say three weeks. Sounds much more manageable. And what happens, so we're saying, it's just a three, like three weeks. And what happens is three weeks is constantly always happening. You never find yourself not saying, it's just three more weeks. It's just three weeks. That's all it is. That's all I can see that's in front of me. And eventually, the people that you've handed to this, this to, their mental willingness to carry your load is overcome by emotional and in some cases, physical exhaustion. And they drop the rock. 
And it's so interesting what happens in a family when the rock drops. For men, we look at the specific event. (laughs) What happened? I just asked you to pass the ketchup, and you broke into a puddly mess and ran out of the room. (laughs) What happened? All I said was I was going to be five minutes late, and I got home, and you had taken off, and I can't get a hold of you for hours. All I said is, honey, I might miss, I might miss part of the recital. I might be a little late to the recital. And next thing you know, the door is closed, the music's loud, and I can't, and she's not talking. All I said was, and all I did was, and all I said was, and all I did was. We don't understand that it was just one more coat hanger or one more thing being squished into the box, and it happened to be the last one. And somebody dropped the rock. Grades can plummet sometimes when we drop the rock. When the rock drops, intimacy evaporates. When the rock drops, you tell your husband, I, I, have, a, I have a trip, I know it surprised me too, it just came up last second, I'm really sorry, it just came up. And, and instead of reading sorrow in his eyes, you think you might have just read, I'm kind of glad you're leaving Things are just better off when you're not around. And if you haven't been there, someday you might be. There's nothing worse for a family than when the rock drops. Because there can be irreparable damage. Sometimes it signals the end of a relationship. Sometimes in gathering, you can put it all the pieces back together again, but it can look a little bit like Humpty Dumpty and you can't quite get everything back to where it was or it needs to be. Sometimes it takes seasons or even years to gain back the trust that was lost. When you ask someone to carry the load that you were intended to carry, but because you had something else and someone else to do this for, and you left it with them for a little bit too long, that's when we drop the rock. Now, I understand why this happens. I understand there's a lot of the reason that this happens to us. And the reason is is because we love progress. We love progress. That's the way, part of the way we were created. We like to see movement. We like to see progress at work. Things checked off the list. We like to see growth and and things changing and happening, progress in our lives, right? And I really think that that's actually God's fingerprint on all of us. You see it through the entire redemptive story, just a constant progress and a moving and a seeking and a growing through this. And that's what we do. We look at these things and we say, hey, I can see progress in the in- industry that I work in, in the marketplace that I'm in, and that we love it. We go to work and we can measure it. If I stay an extra two hours at work, that's progress. I can see it. I got these things done. But if I go home, I'm just home, right? When you're home, you're just home. When you're at work and you're doing things, you feel like, oh, things are happening. I'm getting progress. Progress is happening. But at home, you're just home. Most of us can't make more money from home. Most of us aren't getting financial bonus from being at home. We're, there's no awards or plaques that we're receiving from being at home. We're just home. When you begin to cheat, what's most important for the sake of something secondary, there is a problem. So this conversation... <laughs> that came about from this moment between my wife and I um, was extremely beneficial because it was um, 
so important as we looked at our relationship and our lives and what was going on for the relationships that matter most to us about how do we create some space and margin. One of those things that came from that, which I protect dearly to this day, is it's simple, but every week we have a date night. A date night doesn't mean that we have to go out on a date. A date night is, can be in. It's where we feed the kids separately and they go to bed and then we eat together. It's the nights where we don't bring work home, the screen stays closed, you don't answer email because it can wait no matter what. It doesn't happen. Date night, it's a holy, sacred, set apart. You don't mess with it because we needed that space, we needed that margin in our relationship to be healthy for that, to thrive. And where this came about for me was a passage that stuck out that I have read many times or that I've taught on many times, but suddenly there was an entirely new um, opportunity for application that was real and in my face. And it comes from Ephesians 5.21. It says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, the word submit means to put yourself underneath, right? Or to make their deal more important than your deal, submitting to them. Submit means, says, whatever you want, whatever you need, I'm going to do my very best to go ahead and give you that. Now, when I thought about this word submit, I sat there, and I'm like in this tough place, right? Uh, For me personally, I'm like working for the local church, and I'm saying, wait a minute, I am working for the Lord, I am have to work all the time. It doesn't end. Like, this is like, I have got to give it all. I need to love people I don't even know. And at times, I was starting to sacrifice those I love the most for someone I don't even know. And I'm sitting there, standing around, and I have friends that I've met, and I'm looking at them saying, geez, man, I'm watching some of you who are pastor's kids, who your parents were married to the church, and you don't even, aren't even a part of the church. You don't have a relationship with your father or people who are married to their career and you don't have a relationship with them because there's no margin because that wasn't important. So I was trying to figure out how do I submit to one another because it's saying that this is the thing I need to do. I've not ever been called to submit myself to a career, even if it is the local church. I've never been called to submit myself to a drive to make money. I've never been called to submit myself to anything but another person. And then he goes right to the heart of the issue. And here, husbands, here's here's what it looks like. He says in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. So what do you do, husbands? You love your wives. Okay, well, how do we do that? You love them just as Christ. You do it just as Christ did the church. Well, how? He gave himself up. So we love him. We love him just as Christ loved the church to the point of giving yourself up. To the point of giving yourself up. Now, here's the deal. The biggest thing that drives margin right out of the lives of us sometimes is fear. Fear, right there. (laughs) The biggest thing that drives margin right out of the lives sometimes is fear. 
right? When I looked at that and says, okay, I love my, my wife. I need to submit. I need to um, love her just as Christ loved the church, and I need to give myself up. That is like super scary, right? I don't know. How am I supposed to do that? Because what that fear says to me is like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. God, you mean, I don't even know how I'm going to do this, but I, I, might not only, I might only be able to give you like 45 to 50 hours a week instead of 60, right? I don't know if you can survive, Lord, <laughs> on that. There was a prayer that I had for a long time, and it was, Lord, take care of things at home while I take care of things at work. Some of you may have had that same prayer in your own, in, in your own life of, God, I'm here working. I've got to do these things. Or even when you're traveling, God, take care of things at home while I take care of things at work. And what this submission and this love transition and said, my prayer needs to change to, Lord, take care of things at work while I take care of things at home. Which is kind of a funny conversation because we say, I don't know if you can, God. I'm kind of worried. God, the creator of the universe, knowing all things that made us and all things, do you think maybe you could possibly take care of things at work for me while I take care of things at home? Right? Because I am scared to death. You're going to screw it up. (laughs) That's where we live. And because of that, it drives the margin right out of our relationships. And here's what I discovered are two unique things to my life. The two unique things in my life is one, I'm the first husband to my wife, Michelle. Uh, Hopefully the only one, (laughs) but I'll always be the first. (laughs) That's right win. (laughs) That's unique to me, right? The second thing in my life, the only other thing I can think of that's unique to me in my life is that I'm the father of my children. So I'm the first husband to my wife, Michelle, and I am the father of my children. Because what's going to happen one day is that my job, what I do, and your job, and what you do, someone else can do it, and one day will do it. One day, someone else can do your job and will do your job. So why on earth would I trade something someone else can do and will do for that? That's a bad trade. There's only one stage. There's only one toddler years. There's only one first game. There's only one last recital. There's only one first day of this. There's only one 17th anniversary, even though it means nothing. There's only, (laughs) there's only one, there's only one of all these things that are uniquely yours, right? And I don't want to miss that. I don't want to trade what's unique for me for something else, someone else will do. So this is, this is like been the toughest week for me. Because part of me felt like I was going to stand up here and I was just going to be lying to you the whole time. Be like, do this, it's awesome, right? This is like my word this week when it comes to this. 
Because this is something that's a constant struggle for all of us. Because what does that mean? When we have to submit and we have to sacrifice for those things and and create margin for the relationships that mean the most, is that we're so worried we're going to let people down or people are going to say, you know, you don't have a whatever it takes attitude or you're lazy or you're a slacker, right? So we have to focus on driving out the fear and creating space and margin. And so I wanted to give to you um, this word, and that is the most commanded and repeated command in the entire Bible is this, fear not. The most repeated command in the entire Bible is fear not. So as you work through this this week as I've worked through it this past week in my own relationships and those that matter, the things that matter the most to me. Fear not. You could literally fear not. There's enough in the Bible every single day of the year and wake up and say, fear not. Where's margin need to be and the things that are most important to me? Would you bow your heads? Uh, there may be some of you that are here today and you're saying, hey, um, ah, I have left my rock in either my children's or my family's or significant others' hands a little bit too long. And this, I love this conversation that we had today and I need to go and I need to have a conversation with them to scoop that back up. We need to have a real truth conversation and just get right in this space and figure out how we can love one another how we can give ourselves, how we can submit to the other's needs and find margin on a consistent basis. I encourage you to do that, but I think there's also a handful of us here that you already know Jesus. You already have a relationship with him, but for a little bit now, you've been living in fear and you have scooped up all of those rocks that he carries and loves to carry And you might be at a place where you're just kind of getting emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually exhausted. And maybe today you need to re-up a little bit and just say, hey, God, I already know what you do. I know who you are. Um, I need to give you back these rocks so I can just focus on the things that are most important because you want them and you take them. And I need to just not live in fear. So if that's you, um, I would love to pray for you and your boldness and courage this week as you just re-up and just give back to God what was already his and you knew it and you're just kind of just afraid and worried and stressed that you would just do that this week. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you if that's you today. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of us for sure. Yeah, keep your hands up. I want to pray over you as you give that back. God, would you just give my friends here just boldness and courage and peace as they um, as they relent uh, and just give back what's already yours that you're just there to carry and you want to carry and God as they relent this week would you just fill them with peace and, and then that joy and love and hope that only you can bring that, that it's going to be okay that you are so big and you got it.
God, thank you for that. There'll be um, someone in here this, this morning, I really believe it, that uh, you have never given the rock of your salvation, of your life, over to, to Jesus. That you've been carrying your stuff that it, it keeps falling and it keeps dropping and you don't have that hope and that joy and that love and that grace that the boulders of your past are weighing you down. And the thought of the boulders in your future are overwhelming. So maybe there's someone here today that for the first time needs to hand over the rock of their life to Jesus because he wants it. The Jesus who came to make dead things alive, to make lost things found, not to make you happy, but to give you a life of hope, joy, peace, and grace. So if you're today, and for the first time you need to say, I need to, I need to drop my rock, I need to give it to Jesus um, and know that he's got it for the first time in my life, would you uh, just raise your hand, look at me, I want to acknowledge you, I want to pray for you and celebrate with you as you begin this new journey of just this freedom. Yeah. So God, we, uh, we celebrate with you. We thank you. God, may your kingdom come in this place. God, may your will be done through us. And God, give us courage and strength to create margin. I ask that those that just made a first-time decision, we celebrate with them, that they would be encouraged, that they would just be released, that chains would be broken, weight would be off, just as they walk from this place and begin to truly know who you are. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.